1: Alright, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the tool shed. This is episode 67 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. Due to all the free agent moves, the storylines, the frenzy of the last 72 hours or so, we had to do a second episode of free, uh, going over all the moves. Uh, we did one uh, a few days ago, check that out, but... Right after we did it, so many other things happened. And then the last couple of days, even more. So we're going to do another one here. And with me, as usual, my good friend, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, man, it's been a crazy few days.
0: This has been absolute insanity, but it's been so fun. I mean, you you can't beat what's going on. It feels like the NBA. Like, I don't follow the NBA hardcore, but the NBA offseason, like the minute the gates open, it's just like everybody signs. And this is what it's felt like recently with the lockout, obviously looming. And when you're listening to this tomorrow, the lockout obviously has begun. So yeah, it's, it's crazy, but it's been fun. I kind of wish that MLB would do like a, a dead period in the winter. So say like through December 1st, you can sign and there's a dead period through like the end of January for, for signings. Maybe, I don't know. It just creates such a fun environment. It's been tiresome trying to keep up with all of it as a, as a (laughs) writer, but yeah, it's been fun to see and fun to follow for sure.
1: Yeah, I even tweeted the other day. I was like, I know the this is all because of the the looming lockup, but man, this has been fun. Like he said, it's been hard to keep up. Like every, you know, few minutes I'm getting like it's funny. I as I have during this time of the year, I have notifications on for like Jeff Basson and, and all those types of guys. Yeah. Um, it's like and I get disappointed when I say, Oh, New new notification. Passan just tweeted, but it's like not a signing. It's just him saying whatever. I'm like, ah oh, man, I get to, I get disappointed. But yeah, it's been so many huge signings. Just you know, over the last I think three days, it's been like a billion and a half of contracts or something like that. Crazy handed out. So we're gonna break it all down from a fantasy perspective. What this all these moves might mean for 2022 for dynasty. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But before we do that, let's get into the usual housekeeping. You can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Aircross04, and our show is at Toolshed. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Toolshed for extra content from both of us. And, of course, check out all the other great written and audio work we have on the Fantrex HQ network, including our other podcasts: SB Streamer, Fantasy Hockey Life, Fantasy Football Addicts, Define, Fantasy Football, and Fantasy Football POV. But... Let's get right into it, Chris. So we had a lot to get through. Like this, this is probably the biggest out show outline we've ever had in our now 67 episodes. So many moves to get to. But let's start with the big shortstop signings here. Three of the big five have signed so far. Marcus Semien went to the Texas Rangers, seven years, 175 million. Corey Seager also went to Texas, making their new middle infield there. 10 years, $325 million, and Javier Baez to Detroit, six at 140. Let's start with Semyon. You know, the huge breakout year this past year, at 48 home runs. But I think we've, we've both kind of mentioned it before on previous pods. We're both kind of, you know, not believing that he can kind of sustain that type of level of production. He's going in the second round ADP on average right now. Don't believe that either. But, Chris, what are your thoughts on Marcus Semyon moving to the Texas Rangers?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a downgrade from a lineup standpoint. He was hitting in the best lineup in baseball at the top of the best lineup in baseball at that. The 45 home runs, I'd say was a complete fluke. Even though he did perfect pulling those fly balls right in the corner, you look at his spray chart and it's exactly what he did. He just peppered them right in the corner, the smallest part of the park. And actually Globe Life Field is, is pretty small out there in the left field corner. So I'm not saying, yeah, he's not going to hit 45 home runs again, but 30 wouldn't surprise me, but when you look at the counting stats, yeah, he had 115 runs and 102 RBI last year. Not happening to get in this lineup, I don't think. Obviously, the addition of Seeker definitely benefits that, but the lineup as a whole is nowhere near Toronto's lineup. So we're going to see some regression, but what Simeon has going for him is that he plays constantly. He's constantly on the field. The last three seasons, 162 in 2019, played 53 of 60 in 2020, and then played 162 Again, last season. So he's an accumulator. I mean, three times in his career gone over 700 plate appearances, which is huge. He compiles stats, and that also benefits him. in his. That matters for fantasy, too. Plate appearances do matter. There's going to be regression. Am I buying him in the second round? No, but it's not a terrible landing spot. You're going to see a lot of production drop off from the running RBI standpoint, but 30-15, wouldn't surprise me. The Rangers do like to run a lot. They give the guys a green light. He stole 15 bags last year, so why won't he do it again?
1: Yeah, no, I think 30-15 is definitely reasonable. Uh, and I think that profile, it's attainable, too. Like, you look at his metrics, you know, they were above average, the quality of contact metrics, but didn't really, like, you look at, if you looked at his savant page without knowing he had 45 home runs, you wouldn't think he hit 45 home runs. you probably think, oh, he probably hit low 30 or something like that, but yeah, so definitely I think there's some reg- regressions coming. If people think that you're going to get a repeat of 2021. I think they're going to be uh, really, really disappointed with with their investment. But, yeah, I think third round I'd be okay with Semyon. Like, you look at him, you know, he going to have dual eligibility, second base, and shortstop. Look at him, you know, in, in the rankings there. You know, for shortstops, I would take, obviously, Tatis, Turner, Bichette over him. And then he kind of comes in the conversation in that second tier. Uh, like, Chris, would you rather have – set for 2022 – would you rather have Semyon or, uh, let's say, Xander Bogarts? Nah, that's where I figured you're going. I'll take Bogarts. Yeah, he's yeah I would too. Yeah, yeah but, but then after that, like the two guys I have right behind, or three guys I have right behind them, like Wander Franco, Corey Seager, Lindor, Tim Anderson, those types, I would probably still take Semyon over them slightly uh, for 2022 purposes. Yeah, I, th- I think he's still going to be a very good uh, middle infielder for fantasy, I guess we both said, 30 15 is definitely possible. The Seeger addition definitely helps. Uh, I think that, but there's some other decent bats in that lineup. It's not great, obviously, it's not Toronto. You don't, you don't got Vladdy, Bo, Tayosker, etc., around you there, who are three of the top 25 hitters last year, but still a decent enough lineup around him. So, I think, I think, I think definitely still a top like 40 ish player this year. Uh, and so that dual agility will be huge. What about uh how you feeling on Seeker? Obviously, he's a guy that needs to hit for average, needs to hit for power, he doesn't bring any speed to the table, one steal each of the last three years, and he's never really put it all together. Like he's flashed, you know, that elite type of hitter that he can be, but he only has two years above 20 home runs. Career high is 87 RBIs. He's a two ninety-seven hitter for the three sixty-seven OBP, but it's never really put it together. And he's had some injuries, only played over 100 games three times, had 95 games played in
0: 2021. Where are you at on Seager right now? He's tough. I, I really like Seager, but you go back and his best season by far was his rookie year in 2016, at least his his full first full season in 2016 when he won Rookie of the Year. I mean, he put up 687 plate appearances that year, hasn't sniffed it since and steadily declined with 613 the next year, 115, 541. 232, he did stay healthy in the shortened 2020 season, and then just 409 this year. Seager's an elite hit power combo, like 30 home run pop, 300 average. But you have to worry about him staying on the field. I think that's a big factor, and it's hard to project him for really more than, I don't know, I'd say 125, 130 games because, once again, you look and he's only gone over 130 three times in his career. 2019, 2017, and 2016. So the injuries are just concerning. They always just seem to to linger with him. But when he's on the field, he's really, really good. And I, he's the type of player that I don't think's really affected by it, this ballpark change. Yeah, the lineup context again. He was in the Dodgers lineups. The the right. the that context matters. But he's not going to be one that's going to like see a drop in home runs from moving this park because his power's good. Like he's got legit power. Not really worried about that. And you saw that last season in the postseason because this is – Globe Life Field is where the NLCS and the World Series were held, and Seager just mashed there. So, yeah, he's he's not one that concerns me at all from the Park move, but I think the biggest concern with him is just staying on the field.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely agree. I think he's actually a good buy right now, both in 2022 drafts and in Dynasty right now because – no, he has, has never, like I said, he's never put it together. So I think people are kind of wondering, all right, maybe we overvalued Seager a bit. Like his ADP right now is 68.4, 11th shortstop off the board, according to NFBC ADP data. So I've even dropped him down a little bit down my dynasty rankings, but I, so I think right now is a good time to go and try to, you know, maybe you can get over 90 cents on the dollar. Maybe the, the person that's rostered him has been a little frustrated by the, you know, the, Games played not being quite what it should be, so uh, I still love Corey Seager. Like you look at his metrics, they're still off the charts. Like it, this year, you know he hit three hundred six, three ninety four, five twenty one. Look at Savant, ninety fifth percentile max exit velo at one fifteen point three. Average exit velo has been over ninety one miles an hour each of the last two years. Barrel rate well over ten percent, been fifteen point eight and twelve point four the last two years. All the expected metrics back that up. Hard hit rate one of the best in the league each the last two years k ray has been below 20% in 6 out of 7 years walk rate pushed over 10% again this year so yeah there's a lot to like you look at the profile and it's a very very good profile like just need like we both said needs to stay on the field so uh hopefully that can happen this year but he's a guy that I'm definitely going to be targeting both as a buy low in dynasty and in 2022 drafts and then the guy that's going right just a smidge ahead of him uh, on average at 68.1 Javier Baez who signed with Detroit obviously uh, look at the profile for Javier Baez a lot more volatility than both Semien and um, Corey Seager but just like we we kind of were talking about before we came on the air he's always he's always there he's always putting up stats like outside of the one year uh, last year where he hit uh, 203 with the Cubs but it was it was the covid season I'm giving most everybody a pass for that but look at every other year he's a 264 career hitter you know a lot of 289 273 273 290 265 this past year between the Cubs and the Mets and really took off with the with the Mets at 299 371 515 overall 31 home runs 18 steals That'll play. So, yeah, he's, he's maddening to roster because of the inconsistencies he shows and you know, the slumps he can go into because of that
0: approach. But, man, you, it's hard to argue with 31-18. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely elite power and speed here. There is a slight concern because from a park factor standpoint, Comerica is one of the worst parks for home runs. But, like I said with Seager, I think that bias has enough power to get away with it. You look in his max exit velo last year, was one sixteen point seven, which was the highest of his career, ninety eighth percentile. There, he does hit the ball hard consistently, so I don't think he's like overly affected. I actually pulled up his spray chart, and yeah, I think that he'll be okay. I think there may be a slight decline in home runs, but. He pulls the ball enough and goes opposite field enough where he may actually benefit. Center field is the deepest point there at like 420. But even still, I'm looking at his home runs. And overlaid in Comerica, I don't, there's no home runs that would be taken away by Comerica Park, actually. It actually looks like he has several doubles and fly balls that were outs that would be home runs there. So that's interesting to think about, too, because Bias had a ton of deep opposite field balls that would be out in Comerica. So he may be one that can beat it. And even if he doesn't, like, that part does play up for other things like triples and bias has the speed and doubles. So, you know, bias is the type that could really pepper the gaps there and have a major power surge from that standpoint, put up a high slug, high OPS. So it'll be interesting to see. I think his batting average could definitely see an increase as well. So, yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I think he could play fine here in Camarica, And, you know, I think the Tigers are getting better. Obviously, we're going to see Torque coming up soon. They're going to have Riley Green up. So the lineup's going to get better. And this also benefits the pitchers because, because Baez is a good defender at shortstop. So I think this move pushes the needle forward for the Tigers, despite what some people think is a good contract. $23 million a year is not bad for a player like Baez. Yeah. And, yeah, there's volatility, but the contact rates improved significantly last year in New York. Not saying that'll stick because it was a small sample, but there was reason for optimism. So I like it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't mind that contract at all. They had a nice up-and-coming rotation as well. I don't think they're going to be a, a playoff team or anything like that, but definitely a, a team on the rise with a lot of intriguing talent. He mentioned Green and Torque coming up probably first half of the year as well. So, yeah, definitely a nice a nice addition there. for. I needed the addition for Detroit too and the defense that Baez brings as well. And just the leadership and the, the energy that he brings. He's just a good guy to have on, on your roster. Who would you you know, since they're back-to-back, who would you rather have for 2022, Baez or Seager?
0: Uh, it it honestly just depends on team construction, I think, which Not is sure. just like, it's a cop-out answer. But if you get steals early, then I think you can go with Seager because he's a safe bag and average floor and power. But if you need some steals, like, I think that's where you bank on Baez. Like, I feel like the speed really drops off after that, and he's the type that could really steal you some bases, so – and has the power with it. So I, it just depends. I think there's some volatility there, which could lead me to take Seager, but I think it, I am I feel like I'm copping out saying this about team construction, but.
1: No, it really is though. That's, that's a great answer. Cause they're, they're different players, you know, a little more volatility or a lot more volatility with, with Baez, but you know, you get the safety with Seager different profiles. So yeah, definitely a good answer though. Not a cop out. Uh, one more middle infielder, well, middle infielder slash outfielder slash wherever the Dodgers want to put him. Chris Taylor went back to the Dodgers, which is not surprising. Four years, $60 million. One of the more recent signings today. Uh, I kind of was hoping the Red Sox would go after him for their second base or center field opening, but that didn't happen, obviously. You know, Taylor kind of up and down the year, but overall the numbers are pretty solid 254, 344, 438, slash 20 home runs, 13 steals. 73 RBI and 92 runs scored and uh, 582 plate appearances. Chris, what what are your thoughts on, you know, Taylor's kind of what he is at this point. I think everyone kind of knows what they're getting when they draft Chris Taylor. You get the, you know, the good all around production, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, multi position eligibility, which is very nice. That flexibility is huge. But um, where are you at on Taylor? And then how do you think this kind of plays out? Because now are we looking at, Gavin Lux back to the bench because now it looks like Taylor, at least according to the roster resource, they have obviously Turner's at short. Taylor's back in the mix and now he'll move around a bit too. But I think this is definitely a uh, a hindrance for Gavin Lux in 2022.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems like it. I I don't know how it all shakes out. Honestly, I think Muncie might be the hinge. If he has a torn UCL and has to miss the season, like that was kind of out of the blue the other day when he just kind of said that, like his torn UCL wasn't healing like he expected. Yeah. Like, If he has to have Tommy John, then he's obviously out for the year. Hitters do recover faster, but so that means Bellinger probably bumps back to first in that case. And that opens up some time for, for Lux potentially. I don't know. Taylor is the Swiss army knife that can play anywhere. I'm surprised he didn't get a bigger contract. I really thought he would do better than this after, after that season. But even still, I think you're right. He kind of is what he is. I don't, I think we know what he's going to provide. Last year was, a great season for him, 2013. Home runs and stolen bases, that is. So yeah, I mean, and he's not gonna hit for a high average, but I do think there's the power speed element that that is intriguing. And he's going much later in drafts than I thought he would. So he's kind of an intriguing buy a little later if if you're still in need of some speed there. Yeah, his
1: ADP right now is 163, 20th shorts of off the board, right between Brendan Rogers and Torres. So Yeah, especially if you get him, you can kind of move him around, so later in the draft, if you're a little light on outfield you know, or second base or something, he's a a good guy to have that multi-position eligibility, let you do some things later on in the draft and fill some spots you need. Uh, So yeah, Taylor's a guy I definitely will be targeting, but yeah, Muncie, that's the the wild card, because like you said, if he misses the year, Taylor goes out the center field, and then Bellinger to first, opening up second base for Gavin Lux, but you know, maybe Muncie doesn't miss the season. It's still kind of in flux there. So but right now, definitely a, a hit to Gavin Lux. Unfortunately, like I hope Gavin Lux somehow gets playing time, but I think that will take Max Muncie missing time for that to happen, unfortunately, or at least full-time playing time. Like, he'll still play. Like, they, you can put Lux in the outfield a little bit, second base, shortstop. He's kind of like a Chris Taylor type of player uh, where he can play multiple positions. So he'll still get his time. But yeah, definitely kind of, makes it a little more uh a little less clear than it was 24 hours ago or even six hours ago when we we're recording this so um but let's go back over to the ale uh, Central here that happened this was the first move to happen right after we recorded this past Sunday Byron Buxton extended seven years hundred million dollars uh that'll have to keep him in Minnesota through the year 2028. I like there's been kind of a mixed, uh, you know, big review on this on Twitter, on, on social media in general. People, some people love it. Some people don't love it because of the injuries. But I think this is if Buxton can stay healthy. And I know huge if talk, talking about a guy that's played 100 games once in his career back in 2017. But this could be a huge value because we've seen what he can do when he's on the field. Let's look at 2021 alone. 306, 358, 647, 19 home runs, nine steals, and just 61 games. Like in back in 2019, 10 home runs and 14 steals, in 87 games. 2020, 13 home runs and 39 games. Like the obviously, we know you look at Savant Page, it's lit up in red, power, speed, it's all there. But I don't know at, at this point, are you kind of targeting Buxton this year for 2022 and maybe in, in Dynasty via trade, or are you kind of staying away until? He proves that he can finally stay on the field full time, or at least give me 130 games.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think he needs to be, you need to be risk adverse in drafts. And if he gives me 120 games, I'd be happy. I think he fulfills the draft price there. How this isn't a bad contract for either side. I mean, he only played 61 games last year and put up a 4.2 war. He got his contracts 14.3 mil a year. He was worth double that last year in 61 games. So, yeah it's not a bad contract. He's proved that he can perform. He just got to stay healthy. So I don't think the twins would have done this deal if they didn't think he was healthy right now. So at least he's probably healthy right now. At least we we hope so, but I don't know. He's He's a tough one. I'm not drafting him anywhere. I'm not going to get burned by the injuries, but it'll probably be the year that he stays healthy for once. And, and then everybody buys him next year, he gets hurt again. So that's the tough thing with him. But did you see the joy on his face? I don't even saw the pictures when he was signed oh, the contract I, I did. today.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah,
0: that was so cool to see. So yeah, good for Buxton staying in Minnesota. Good for Minnesota giving him that deal. Awesome, awesome to see.
1: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you know, he's one that I really like. I like Byron Buxton. I love watching him play. Even defensively, he's just flying all around center field. You know, great arm. Like, this is one of the best all around players in baseball that just hasn't had a chance to stay in the field long enough to show it consistently. Uh, for 2022, I have him as, currently as my 24th outfielder. So I'm being a little bit cautious there. He def- definitely could be top 15 for sure. Could be top 10 if he stays in the field for 120 games. I think he could be up there. Like, my number 10 outfielder right now is Jordan Alvarez. And I won't be surprised if Buckson, if he stays in the field, produces some more value overall to Jordan Alvarez this year. And then overall in dynasty, I am sixty second overall right now. He's kind of been between fifty and seventy for the most part. He's a guy I just want to put top twenty five. Like, give me that one year, give me a reason, Buxton, to bump you way up top twenty five, top thirty. He definitely has that potential. So, um, yeah. So for this year, kind different. For dynasty, I'm still buying, but for twenty twenty two, I'm probably not going to have many shares of Buxton as I'm yeah a little more risk adverse at that point in the draft uh, than he provides. Uh, another kind of sneaky signing here—a guy that kind of goes under the radar every single year because he doesn't have the huge numbers, but he's always a really solid hitter year in year out. This obviously, Al Garcia went down to the Miami Marlins four years, fifty-three million dollars, coming off a year arguably the yeah probably is the best year of his career either this year or twenty seventeen. Uh, this year, two sixty-two, three thirty-four, ninety. Career high twenty nine home runs, career high eighty six RBI, sixty eight runs scored, added eight steals as well for the Milwaukee Brewers. That was one of their best hitters this year, are you liking this move down to Miami for Abysel Garcia,
0: Chris? Not really, because he leaves a great lineup and a great home park, and in really easy NL Central to an extent. And now he's going to Miami, which is not a great part for home runs at all and yeah he's kind of like a stat cast darling to an extent but I don't I think we should expect closer to 20 home runs than 29 like he did last year so it'll be interesting the lineup context definitely isn't as great but I do think that he's interesting I don't do you have the adp up where he's going
1: uh I can't yeah one second here uh I'm on shortstop. yeah so let me move over to outfield he is at 192 as the 51st outfielder off the board. Really intriguing range too, because like the three right in front of him were Joey Gallo, Ian Happ, Michael Conforto. Three behind him: Jorge Soler, Austin Hayes, AJ Pollock, and then Andrew Vaughn's right around there as well. So that that 190 to like 210 range on outfielders is pretty intriguing.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'll get a lot of them there. He was definitely very solid last season. I don't think you should expect a repeat of that. So yeah, he'll be interesting, but I, I don't really love the move from a fantasy standpoint.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm there with you. I think it's a, a decent time to sell high on Garcia. Cause yeah, you look at what he's shown previously, like before this, he was pretty consistently right around a 20 homer bat, 2017, 18 and 19. He had 18, 19 and 20 home runs. And this year broke out for 29. So I think it could be, like he said, he's a solid hitter. I think he's an under underrated hitter, but I think that now might be a good time to sell high in Dynasty. And you know, I'm not opposed to that ADP. I think it's fair, but there's I, I like Ian Hap more for 2022. I like Michael Conforto more. I think he's gonna be a great value going near, you know, pick 190 or so. I think I like Jorge Soler more, Austin Hayes, uh, maybe I'm not sure. But uh yeah, if, if it came down to like like if would you take Conforto, Hap, or Garcia there? How how do you rank those three for twenty twenty two? And
0: Fordo, Hap, Garcia, that order.
1: Yep, same here. So uh, they're all going right back to back to back. I would take the other two over Garcia uh, at that point in the draft. So um, yeah, but definitely solid, but not great move here to Miami. Uh, We already hit on the Max Muncy news here. So let's go over to more of the minor news here. There's a lot of other just minor deals that are, you know, at least noteworthy. We won't dive in too far into these moves, but uh, some, some intriguing moves just to keep an eye on Rugenino Odor went to the Baltimore Orioles, another, yeah, another low contact, high power guy uh, kind of fits Baltimore. Well, with well, what they've shown the last few years, Cole Calhoun went to Texas one year, $10 million. Clint Frazier went to the Cubs after being let go by the New York Yankees. Finally um, Cesar Hernandez went to the Nats. That's kind of intriguing. Uh, could hit high on the order right in front of Soto, so that's got some intrigue there. Jorge Alfaro uh, was traded to San Diego, creating a log jam at catcher there. Jan Gomes, another catcher, went to the Cubs, and then another trade here, which is kind of intriguing. Joey Wendell went from Tampa Bay to Miami in exchange for Cameron Meisner, who we saw out in the Arizona Fall League. Didn't have the stats, but impressive. You know, power speed is there. See if the hit tool is there, but. You know, out of all these moves here, Chris, is there, is
0: there a, a move or two that
1: you're intrigued by more than the others for fantasy purposes?
0: I mean, crazy enough, like, Rougne Doran and, like, a deep draft and hold. Like Yeah. I that, mean... That, that power, the lefty yeah. power at Camden, yeah. Yeah, he's going to play every day. He hit 30 home runs his last full season, so, you know, might as well take it. He's going to go so late in, like, a deep draft and hold where there's, like, 700-plus players rostered. I think that's an intriguing one. Um... Clint Fraser, man, I don't know. I don't want to go back to the well on Fraser, but <laughs> he, he should play every day in Chicago. It's I
1: hard. Think. It's hard to get both feet out the door though. Like I have, I I'm I've one foot out and like one foot through, and like the toe tap, like wide receiver toe tap drag out of bounds, but it's still there. Uh, yeah, I can't fully get out of Clint Frazier, but know, yeah, maybe he gets the maybe he gets some playing time finally, and maybe he needed the change of scenery. So that could be a. Nice bounce back there. It looks like, uh, do they have him starting? No, they have him platooning in, in the outfield with uh, Jason Hayward. So we'll see how that plays out. But that's at least a
0: little bit intriguing. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I mean, none of the other ones are doing much for me. Cesar Hernandez should play every day in Washington. And, you know, I don't know how much he has left in the tank, but kind of just like gets it done. Right? Yeah, he's a little bit of
1: pop, you know, and definitely a, a late round kind of. You need some cheap power. Or some depth at second base, middle infield—that's uh, definitely a decent one there. Joey Wendell has always been kind of intriguing. I don't think he's going to play. He's probably a bench bat. I don't know where he fits in. They got Michael Rojas, Jazz Chisholm. Obviously, he's going to start. You know, they have Brian Anderson down there, who's a decent enough bat. So, I, I don't. I think Wendell is going to be similar situation to where he was in Tampa Bay, kind of playing multiple infield positions, backing up everybody. So, but Meisner, I think. He still, he still got some intrigue. That let's that power, speed. Like there's big time raw power there. Good speed as well. This needs the hit tool to kind of take a step forward. And uh, I think if that happens, he could be a really solid fantasy asset. But uh, where are you at, a Meisner? Are you still kind of in a Meisner?
0: Yeah. I mean, despite the numbers from the fall league, like I thought he was pretty impressive. He hits the ball really hard. He's got quick hands through the zone, and the speed element's really good in his game too. But if the contact ticks up, then He's a very intriguing prospect. So, yeah, I'm still in and I actually like the move to Tampa. I think Tampa can do something with him.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's can't hurt going to Tampa Bay, right? They usually, they usually find uh, something in their players that a lot of other organizations can't find. So, yeah, maybe a Tennessee senior was needed with Cameron Meisner. He's at least got that power speed, like I mentioned. So, intriguing pl- prospect that you can get for pretty cheap right now in dynasty leagues. Probably get you, you know, you probably trade a, you know top 200 250 guy to get meisner right now which I definitely would be worth it because if he the hit tool improves there he could be a really solid fantasy player for sure uh, that wraps up the hitters let's go take a quick break come back on the other side and get into all the pitchers that sign so don't go anywhere we'll be back with more Fantrax tool shed right after this All right. Welcome back from the break. Let's get into pitchers now. there were a lot of them that signed the three biggest ones here. We'll start with Max Scherzer went to the New York Mets three years, $650 billion per year. Oh, wait, sorry. No, 130 million over the three years. Cohen's opening up the wallet there uh, as I, we kind of expected him to do. So a lot of sudden we broke down the other three big Mets signings, uh, on last episode, so go check that out with Eduardo Escobar, Mark Conha, and Starling Marte. If you want to hear our thoughts on those three, but Scherzer, now the biggest one to go to New York, that is just absolutely unfair. Scherzer and DeGrom, like, imagine I, I, I put out a tweet earlier today, or on Sun or what day would what day they say, Wednesday, uh, earlier today on Wednesday, uh, about like, imagine going into a seven game series in the postseason and having to face Scherzer and DeGrom four times. That's unfair. Like that is good luck. And then obviously all the, the Mets fans that can never fully accept their team. were are just like, Oh, well, uh, yeah, we're not going to make the playoffs anyway, or, uh, DeGrom will get hurt. It was like the, the Mets can never have nice things. It's like, it's kind of funny. They're <laughs> always kind of like waiting for yeah, the other shoe to drop. The sky's always falling for Mets fans, like Matt Williams and Simeon and all of them. The sky's always falling. But, uh, yeah, Scherzer to the Mets, Kevin Gaussman to Toronto, five years, 110 million. Robbie Ray leaving Toronto, going out west to Seattle, five years, 115 million. So one million more per year than Gaussman got. Uh, those are the big three. And then, you know, Marcus Stroman's yeah, the other big one. We'll get to him in a little bit. Let's start with Scherzer, Gaussman, and Ray. Let's start with Scherzer, though. Where do you, does this like positively or negatively affect him in 2022?
0: Do you think, Chris, going from the Dodgers to the Mets? I don't think so. I don't I don't think anywhere he signed could really affect his value. Like a pitcher of his caliber would be pretty much fine anywhere, I think. So, yeah, I would say it's it's positive that he's not on Washington anymore. I mean, that's certainly positive, but you know, whether it be the Dodgers or or the Mets, you know, positive either way. So, yeah, he's an interesting one, the dead arm. I wonder what the deal with that is. Like you have to assume the Mets did their homework for medicals at least, but they were supposed to do it with Kumar Rocker too, which apparently fell through the cracks. So I don't know. I have questions. Obviously, want to see Scherzer pitching in the spring, which I think he's going to be totally fine. Not overly worried about that. But he's racked up some serious mileage on his arm over the years. He's going to be, he'll be 38 midseason next year. So what point does he fall off? I don't know. Hopefully, it's not soon. From a baseball perspective you know as a braves fan i don't like him signing in new york i don't want to face him over <laughs> and over throughout the year right so yeah he's an interesting one from the standpoint of ages against him plus the the dead arm scenario i don't know i mean still through 179 innings last year so i i've haven't projected 180 innings next year could easily surpass that i mean he was going deep into games in la in the regular season i think he went and he went into the 8th three times and the 7th five times in L.A., which was not a ton of starts. So, yeah, he's still got it. He's still – the fastball velo is still there. It hasn't declined at all. Still striking out guys at an all-time high rate. He's just impressive. Like, he's kind of like an Ageless Wonder so far. So, yeah, I definitely like it. I think he's a top three fantasy arm. Like, still for me, I'd have Burns and Cole ahead of him. But I don't know. What about you?
1: I, I have – uh I have him ahead of Cole. I, okay. I have Burns one. It's it's obviously very close. Yeah. Um. It's we're nitpicking at this point, but yeah. I I don't see any reason to not believe that he can do exactly what he's been doing for a long time now. Like he's shown no signs of. Something. Like you mentioned, I was mentioned the, the fastball velo. It's still there. Like this last year, it was ninety four three. In 2020, it was 94.7, 94.9 in 2019, 94.4 in 2018. So he's only 0.1 miles per hour on average below what he was three years ago. He's actually higher than 2017. So it's like, it's always been in that 94 to 95 range on average. And he's still there at 94.3. He's still getting whiffs on all five of his offerings. You know, it's, it's kind of insane that you can have five pitches with the 27. Like his worst whiff rate was his cutter. 27%. That's still pretty solid right there. So, yeah, he's shown me no reason to believe that he can't keep doing what he's doing. 28.9 came on his walk rate last year. You know, X, You know, all the XERA, all the indicators are still right there. XBA 196, you know, X, uh, X-Slug 352. He's still the, you know, elite of the elite, and I don't see him from anytime soon. So, I'll, I've i already taken him, and it was a mock draft, but as uh, my ace, as the number two guy off the board, Early part of the second round, I'm very happy taking him there. One of the safer guys around, I think he he might be the safest elite arm. Him him and Cole obviously are the two safer ones, but I think he's a little safer than than uh, Cole personally. I think he's a little bit higher upside as well. Pitching in the NL East and, and as opposed to the AL East, I think there's are similar pitchers. But I think just like where he's going to be pitching, like the AL East, we talked about the ballparks, the lineups. This is probably the toughest division to pitch in, which gives me the edge to Scherzer for me. But, yeah, it, it was nitpicking. But, yeah, he's my number two for 2022. And move over to Gaussman and Ray here. We'll kind of group, group these guys to get together because both had very, you know, huge breakout years finished high, you know, Robbie Ray won the Cy Young, Gossman finished high in the NL Cy Young voting, kind of similar arms, got similar contracts. Who were you higher on for
0: 2022, Chris, Robbie Ray or Kevin Gaussman? That's so tough. I think that Gaussman's probably the, the safer bet, which might be kind of crazy. And maybe, maybe now that I'm even saying that, maybe I'm wrong in that. But I don't know. I mean, I definitely think regression is coming for Robbie Ray. I think that's obvious by strand rate being... 90% like there's no way he sustains yeah, that. No way. That's coming down. And yeah, it's a it's a ballpark boost for him going to Seattle. I mean, he allows a lot of fly balls, a lot of home runs. So that should suppress that a little bit. I'm just weary of the command sticking. Like, I don't think that that's 6% walk rate sustains. And I wonder if he pushes back up closer to 10, which, you know, not the worst thing in the world, but obviously going to see some regression there. So I don't know. I both are going to see some regression. Honestly, at the price, I'm probably out on both these guys. And I don't really love the move for Gaussman going to Toronto, which can be hitter friendly at some points and pitching in a lot of pitcher-friendly environments in the AL East, like you had mentioned. And Gaussman saw some decline last year in the second half. And, you know, obviously dominated the first half, one seven three ERA. Second half. That was up to 4.42, which has me slightly concerned about his sustainability because really that means he's only been elite for the shortened 2020 season half of the 2021 season. So, I don't know. Their their prices are really high, and I'm probably out on both of them.
1: As am I. I think, obviously, they're both very good pitchers. I'm not saying they're not, but look at their ADP right now. They're going actually back-to-back in ADP. Robbie Ray, 44.4. Kevin Gaussman, 54.5. If I had to pick, I guess I would go Robbie Ray. I have him a little bit higher in my 2022 ranks, but I'm not going near either of those two at that point. And let's look right behind them. Freddie Peralta. Easily would take Freddie Peralta over both those guys. Logan Webb. I would take Logan Webb over both those guys. Probably Lance Lynn as well. Jack Flaherty, Maybe. But I definitely don't like them. This that's the where they their fifteenth and sixteenth starting pitcher off the board. So you know, right around that SP one SP two turnaround there. I don't know. Would you, you? know Would you feel comfortable with them as your SP two though? I think they're still fair to as SP twos, but. I don't think I'm getting them where I want to get them. I'm not going anywhere near top 50 on either of these two guys.
0: Yeah, and I kind of agree. I just take Ray because the strikeout upside's there. Like, yeah. You know you're going to get a lot of strikeouts from him, and even if he regresses to like a 4-2 ERA type, then you're still going to get a lot of strikeouts. So worst case, you're beefed up in one category there. So yeah, I, they'd be interesting. I'm, I think they need to push closer to 70 for me to consider them, which won't happen, I don't think. No, absolutely not.
1: And with, with Gaussman, I just, I don't know. He's mostly a two-pitch guy. You know, 89% of his pitch, uh, pitches last year were a four-seamer or a, the split-fingered, or assuming no, 80, uh, sorry, 86%, sorry. But, you know, the splitter obviously is filthy, 45.9% whiff rate, 133 batting average against, 224 slugging against. But the fastball was meh. It was okay. Uh Changeup and slider, both seldom used, both right around 6%. Had decent enough whiff rates, but both had XBA right around 300. So uh, you look at his numbers compared to 2020, they're pretty similar, but the ERA was point, uh, was at 0.81 lower. X ERA was both basically in line, 355, 352. So I think this going be some regression for both these guys. And yeah, I'm not, not going to want to take them anywhere near where they're going right now around top 50. Would you take Peralta and Webb over
0: both those guys? Yeah, pretty easily. Yeah.
1: What about, uh, what about Flaherty or Lynn?
0: Flaherty. Yes. Lynn. I don't know. Lynn, Lynn showed some concerning signs last year. So I don't know. Lynn's kind of in that same boat for me with those guys. Yeah. And I
1: think, you know, that's a fair range. Then you get, then there's a little bit of a drop down. I'm assuming you take both these guys over like this cluster of uh, Barrios, Freed, and Luis Castillo.
0: I don't know. Freed's interesting. Brias is interesting. Luis Castillo's interesting. I don't know. If Castillo gets moved, he probably jumps up. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's tough. Freed and Brias are just like boring get-it-done guys. So, I don't know. Flip a coin. Yeah, I,
1: I might take – these guys are all pretty ranked pretty similar for me. And then you got you know some intriguing guys like Frankie Montas, Joe Musgrove, Alec Manoa. Uh, but I think at the price range, because free Castillo, and, and Bar- uh, Barrios are both right around, actually, they're 70.3, 70.5, 70.6. So about 20 to 30 picks behind those two. At their respective ADPs, definitely would go those three. But I think they're all pretty close in value, so definitely go those three uh, at pick 70 over Gelsman and Ray at pick 44 and 54. And then Strowman was the last one to sign here recently, about an hour before we came on. His ADP is 161.2, went to the Cubs three years, 71 million, has an opt-out after the second year. Kind of a little bit surprising. I didn't really see
0: Strowman going to the Cubs there, uh, but what are your thoughts on Strowman going there? Yeah, uh, he doesn't really fit this team unless the Cubs are just going to keep buying more players to win. They which, might. They, they have the money to do, so they might. Yeah, yeah, so it's like, hey, let's sell off all our guys on expiring contracts. Beef up the farm system, then just go buy a new team, which is an interesting strategy.
1: <laughs> did you did you hear there are like some rumors about they're talking with Rizzo about a reunion? I'm like, then what, what's I don't get where they're going. It's kind of mm. a peculiar strategy
0: right now. Yeah, who knows? But I mean, Stroh's a good pitcher. He's, he's a gamer. He just gets the job done. I mean, he'd probably be surprised to know that his career ERA is 363. And, you know, three of the last. Three of his last four seasons, at least we know he didn't pitch in 2020, but three of his last four seasons have produced an ERA under 3.22. So 2017 was 3.09. And he had a bad year in 2018 with a 5.54. 2019, 3.22. And this year, 3.02. So pretty impressive there, honestly. I mean, he's not going to strike out a lot of guys. We kind of know who he is at this point, but he just gets the job done. So kind of intriguing. I don't know how I feel about the, the landing spot. In Chicago, the defense behind them is kind of interesting at this point. Without bias it's short. Yeah, I don't I don't really know. I mean, who even I'm pull up their roster resource because you'll probably have a Swindell at first, Wisdom at third. And then probably you got I think you got Madrigal and Horner in the middle. Madrigal. Okay. That's not terrible. It's not, not ter-
1: terrible, but no. obviously it's not Rizzo, Baez, Bryant.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not, not terrible defense though. I mean Horner's a Decent defender. Yeah, it's it's not bad. Yeah. So from a defense standpoint, it's not as bad as I thought, which is is good. So, yeah, I think he'll be fine. I, I'm not really worried about it, but I'm just intrigued by what in the world are they doing? <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: And uh, Stroman, I like like as a person and as a baseball player, I love Marcus Stroman. I think he's yeah. good for the game. He's a guy you want to root for, even if he did make a a poor choice in co- college decisions going to the duke blue devils instead of my north carolina tar heels but that's a story for another day but i don't know if on for fantasy purposes i've never been able to get on board on marcus stroman and i i don't like that adp look at yeah he had a 302 era that's great but the k's have never been there there was a career high 21.7 percent in this past year which is still slightly below average but x era was 4.30 so I gotta wonder if there's you know some some of that regression coming back. I guess sinker 294 batting average against doesn't really get a lot of whiffs. You know, I said you know, without the strikeouts being there, if the if the ERA regresses at all, like even if it's what's let's, let's split the difference between the ERA x ERA and that puts it at what three six five three seven or so. That with a t- low twenties K rate, I don't know. There's there's a lot of the guys I'd rather be going at in that range. Uh, this is actually a very, very intriguing range. You want to see some of the some of the names going before and after him. Let's start with he's at pick 158. I'm sorry, 161.2. Let's go up. Luis Garcia, Camilo Doval, Ranger Suarez, Zach Gowan, Sean Manaya, Luis Severino, Verlander, Valdez, Gilbert. Those are guys like the eight guys above him. Below him, Eduardo Rodriguez, Clayton Kershaw, Sonny Gray. Adam Wainwright, Michael Kopech, Mike Clevenger, Tariq Skubal, Noah Syndergaard, Tanner Houck, Joe Ryan. A lot of names I like in this range, so I highly doubt I'm getting Strowman on any one of my teams. So right now, not a target of mine for 2022, and probably a sell high if you can't in Dynasty. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with that take. That's a, this, let's talk about this range for I know we're getting off topic here, but this is a really intriguing range. Like all those arms, I meant Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, he might retire. He's hurt always, but you know, he he has a range of this is one of the probably the wider ADP ranges you'll see 68 of a min pick, 243 max pick. That's insane. (laughs) That's like to have nearly a 200 pick difference. That is insane. But Erod, we we talked about uh a couple episodes ago. Love Erod in this range. I think Sonny Gray is solid. Michael Kopek could break out. Uh, Tanner Hout could break out. Zach Gallon's a nice buy low there at pick 150 or so. Luis Severino and Verlander coming back. Yeah, I just don't think I'll get Stroman in any one of my teams because I'll be going after those guys uh, yeah. as opposed to Stroman.
0: Yeah, I mean, why would you not draft Zach Gallon 10 picks earlier? Like that seems right. like a no brainer.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Or or take a gamble on Severino or or Verlander or even sure. go Erod. Go if you want to go upside and you have a couple you know a staff you can count on already maybe go michael kopech behind him screwballs Hauk, joe ryan there's so many good names in that range i'll be going for those guys over marcus strowman here Uh, a couple other intriguing signings john gray went to the texas rangers four years 56 million dollars and alex cobb went out to the san francisco giants who kind of are the team to go to right now for pitchers with what they did last year, two years, $20 million. Uh, are you, and you think, obviously, I think we can say that the value for 2022 for both these guys has gone up with their signings.
0: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, just based on what the giants have done with arms recently, like it's just pretty much an easy buy. It was like, Oh, to the giants value up. So yeah, the ADPs are going to rise on these guys. Are you even with their ADP rising? Are you in on these two guys? So look at the ADP. Cobb
1: is at three forty two point nine. That's going to go up. Let's just say that bumps up into the two seventy range. And then uh, John Gray is at. No, I don't want Sonny Gray. I want John Gray. He's at two ninety seven. Uh, yeah, That's probably a bump. So they're probably both in the two fifty to two seventy, 270, right? Two seventy five range, in, in yeah. a few months from now. Are you, which one would you rather have of that range? For me, I'm probably a bit more intrigued by John Gray. I've never been an Alex Cobb guy. We've seen, you know, flashes from John Gray, but obviously Colorado kind of just suppress any and all value or consistent value from him. Uh, But would you
0: go Gray
1: or Cobb in that range?
0: Gray by a, a mile. Yeah, I don't think it's even close. Gray will be interesting because he had to completely like reinvent the way he pitched going to Colorado. And with all those years there, you just wonder, like, is he going to just keep doing what he did in Colorado? Or is he going to try to reinvent himself again? Which I'd be interested to see. I'm definitely intrigued, even though his home road splits are pretty similar, which is is weird for his career. But also you have to realize, like, the ball moves so much different in core. So pitchers get used to that and they leave. And there's even, I mean, they talk about all the time how when the Rockies go on the road, they're completely thrown off. So, man, I, I think Gray could be a solid arm. Maybe he's like a four ERA type, but even still like pretty intriguing there, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely more intriguing than Cobb for me. Uh, so yeah. I, I do like Cobb. I think the stuff, like, I definitely agree that the value on him has gone up, but yeah, definitely more intrigued by John Garayosi. Steamer has Gray at... 178 innings, 431 ERA. All right. That's, I think he'll be a little, I, I, I could see him as like a 3.8, 3.9 type of guy, you know, a little over a K per inning. Top 60 ish. I think he could be like a SP 4.5 on value end of the year that gets drafted a little later than that. So, um, yeah, like, like the move for both these guys. Definitely Um, guys moving up ADP for sure. This is another interesting range, though. In ADP, right here, you got Hazers Lazardo, Eric Lauer, Luis Patino, <clears throat> Jamison Tyone, Carlos Carrasco, Zach, please. another interesting range, a lot of different profiles here. So, um, is one I love in that range. I think he's yeah. still gonna be a nice bounce back, but yeah, get, get definitely give me John Gray over uh Alex Cobb for 20 and in Dynasty, too. I, I think John Gray is a nice little buy low right now in dynasty leagues, uh, but do it soon for people mm-hmm. kind of before I get into the season, people realize, Oh, Hey, he's got a call right on out. Now. So yeah, definitely are yep. definitely up for John Gray Cobb. Man. I just, I don't know. I can't get behind Cobb, you know, like, do you see anything in this profile
0: that makes you like want to draft him this year? No, <laughs> I, I, <just laughs> no. That. Uh, I literally have <laughs> zero interest in drafting him, And I'm sure like somebody will, Find a reason to draft him higher than I want to in any draft, but I don't know. I mean, allows a lot of contact, his own contact's high. The strikeouts really aren't there. I mean, last year was a major outlier in his strikeout rate, probably closer to a 20% guy than a 25% guy. Limited home runs for the first time ever. That, that was strange. Also, just doesn't stay healthy and on the mound. How does Steamer project him for 151 innings when? He hasn't thrown 115 since 2018. I don't yeah. get that. And he's I don't only know.
1: been over that three times in his career. Yeah. And he's not getting any younger. He's what, 30, 34? Nope. 34 34. Yeah. yeah. Not getting uh, any younger. Yeah. No. I, 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 even 20%. Like, look at before this year, uh, the K rates 16, 8, 13, 3, 15, 4, 17, 3, 15, 4. And not good.
0: Somehow Steamer projects him at 22.5%. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it either. You yeah, know, I am out on Cobb. <laughs> I think he's a, a four three to four five ERA, which maybe people won't like that, but I think it is what it is.
1: He's a guy that you could probably stream. Like you could stream a, a similar guy to Alex Cobb. So yeah, I, I'd go I'd rather go at that point in the draft. You know, I probably have several pitchers already on my roster. I'd rather go upside with uh with Jesus Lazardo or, or maybe see if there's something there with Eric Lauer, but yeah, not Cobb. That's
0: for I mean, sure. You have to assume he's in the rotation based on what they're paying him, right? But how oh, for quick? Sure. How quick could he bump out and be a long reliever? I mean, pretty, pretty soon. I I love Tyler Beedy, and he's coming back from from TJ, and I think Beedy could be an intriguing spot in the rotation. So, you know, who knows? I, I know Beedy's slotting at the five, and Cobb at the four, but somebody else could potentially easily bump Cobb out if he's sucking. Which definitely could happen. Yeah, we've seen that happen.
1: I was looking at it's kind of. I know it was only three starts, but I was looking at his uh the Savant page for, for Cobb. His xera in 2019 was 19.51. Holy I, cow. I know it was, it was three starts. His actual era was 10.95. I was just kind of finding this. You don't see a 19.51 xera on Savant that often. No. <laughs> All right, moving on here. A few reliever signings uh, recently. Raisel Iglesias re-signed with the Los Angeles Angels four years to $56 million. Corey Nebel went to the Philadelphia Phillies and Mark Melanson to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Obviously, Iglesias is you know a top five or so reliever for 2021. I think there was kind of people expected him to go back to the Angels, so no surprises there. But Nebel and Melanson are at least intriguing here I think there's a decent shot that they both closed, at least. As of now, Melanson's probably definitely close for Arizona. Philly, they could kind of link the Kimbrough, so who knows if it breaks somebody else in. But if they don't, Nebo could be that guy. So both are kind of intriguing moves there for uh, fantasy purposes.
0: Yeah, I mean, we know what Iglesias is. He's he's an elite closer, in my opinion. He's kind of locked that up for, for a while now with that deal. And Melanson, I mean, shoot. The the Diamondbacks might win so many close games that he might get fifty saves. <laughs> right? I mean, they may win sixty games, but they're mm-hmm. all going to be so close that Melanson saves fifty of them. He was, I'm surprised he went there. I really am. I thought he'd I know.
1: St- I thought he'd go to a to contender. That's why I think I was kind of hesitant to draft him some, in my some of my mocks. I was like, maybe he goes to a contender where he's a setup guy. I didn't. think yeah. that was possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, I figured he'd go back to San Diego, honestly, but uh, I don't know. Uh, definitely like Knebel in in Philadelphia. There's a strong chance that they do bring in more relievers, but also important to realize that Knebel hasn't stayed healthy. So that's a factor too, where he just hasn't pitched much. And I mean, over the last two years, he's thrown 38 innings. So workload could be a factor here. I mean, only through 25 this year, 13 in 2020. So I think that's something to monitor too. Like maybe he doesn't get the everyday share I was talking to Greg Jewett who is the bullpen guru earlier today about that actually. And he, he's not confident in the fact that Kniebel will be the closer in Philly, even though Knebel has nasty stuff, like he would be interesting, but I think the injuries are concerning and the lack of him having to be monitored for innings. so it'll be an interesting yeah. one to follow for sure. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah. We're looking at roster resource right now. They have uh, both him and Alvarado both having the closer tag. So yeah. And, and they might bring in, like I said, somebody else or whether it's Craig Kimbrell or, or, or whoever it is definitely something to monitor though. Maybe just give him a shot. You know, he could be the closer, get 10, 15 saves or so. So maybe this is one of those deeper league targets for saves later on in your drafts. Got to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, some other mi- uh, minor moves here. My, uh, Michael Lorenzen went to the Los Angeles angels for one year, 7 million. Said he wants to be a two way guy. He has the best two-way guy in the world on his team now, so we'll see (laughs) if that happens. A couple other relievers signed. Daniel Hudson went out to the Dodgers. Kirby Yates to Atlanta. And then I I meant to do this on the open. I got to apologize to everyone listening because if you're a fan of any of the other 29 teams, just just mail it in. Don't play the season. Just give the World Series trophy for 2022 to the Boston Red Sox because we got Rich Hill, Michael Walker and James Paxton, baby. We're going all the way with these broken-down arms. I don't know how many broken-down lefties we need, but got Paxton one year, $10 Bundy one at five. I know it should be a Rich Hill. And then Dylan Bundy also signed for one at five. Out
0: of all these moves, Chris, anything intriguing for fantasy purposes? Well, I was going to bring up – I'd take James Paxton over Alex Cobb by a mile. (laughs) I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I'd much rather have James Paxton – at least 20 pitches he's decent. He'll he'll be more fun the roster, that's for sure, but yeah. I don't and,
1: know. He can't say healthy anymore.
0: Yeah. You're, the Red Sox rotation's significantly better than last year. I'll, I'll say that.
1: But at this point, I don't know. I, I wanted them to upgrade the pitching. I was, you know, Erod left. I was like, all right, I wanted to get an Erod level guy or higher. Obviously that hasn't happened. You know, these guys are at least intriguing. Uh just we have some solid depth now, but does this Push Tanner Houck out of the rotation. I hope not. It, they still have him as the SP4 and Rusted Resource, but they have Waka at five, Rich Hill at six. I don't think they've even put, I don't know, Paxton's here. So he, yeah, he's going to miss uh, the first like two months of the season probably. He'll be back midseason, but um, I don't know. I, I just hope this doesn't, they don't mess with Houck. That would be the, the biggest fantasy implication here because I don't, Walka Hill, Paxton, when he comes back, sure, could be, has some value, but walk rich hill aren't gonna be guys you're targeting really in you know maybe deeper leagues you'll target these guys but i just really hope Hulk still has a spot and they don't kind of do that kind of hey start a couple games here then hey go to the bullpen for three weeks thing that they were doing last year which annoyed the living you know what out of me because he is probably the you know he, his talent wise is up there with an the E of audience so he's that talented. I'm not gonna say he's going to be sale. Don't take it that way, but just the talent alone. I want to see how good that shot. So hopefully he does, but
0: very intriguing moves though, by the red Sox. Yep. yes, yeah, it's interesting. I hope how gets a shot in the rotation as well.
1: And now, but, and this also probably signals that uh, Garrett Whitlock will not, he's still listed in the bullpen. As the closer, though, this, which could be intriguing, I, I wrote about him and Helk about a month or so ago. Love both these guys for 2022. If the Red Sox don't bring in a closer, which at this point I don't believe they will, maybe they bring in some some bullpen help but not a big-name closer, I think Whitlock's the guy. I think Barnes showed that he can't be relied upon as a closer. He's more of a 7th, 8th inning guy. Same with Brazier. You know, Josh Taylor, these types of guys are more sort of like set up men than closer. And get what look I think is the best bullpen arm that the Red Sox have. So I uh, definitely some intrigue there. But yeah, hopefully Hulk still gets his shot because he could be a top 50 arm next year. I really think that. Uh, I think we've hit everything, Chris. Anything we're missing here? No, that was a lot. We hit a lot of names in an hour, but we did it. Yeah, we, we kept it right under an hour. I didn't think we, we could do it, but we did. So that's going to wrap us up. Thanks to everyone for listening again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg, I am at Eric Cross 04. And our show is at Fantrex Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at FantrexHQ.com or over on our Patreon. Join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.